1: Our jobs can be draining. Working 40 hours or more can leave us feeling run down and tired by the end of the week. When the weekend comes, we often find solace in front of the TV or engaging in a relaxing hobby. Lonnie Johnson, on the other hand, he liked to tinker. Johnson was born in Mobile, Alabama in 1949. His father, a veteran of World War II, made sure Lonnie and his five siblings were well-educated and, most importantly, stayed curious. Johnson was definitely curious. As a boy, he learned how to build his own toys. When that stopped being interesting, he moved on to making berry launchers out of bamboo shoots. Johnson grew more and more interested in the sciences, especially engineering. At 13 years old, he built a go-kart out of scraps from a junkyard and hooked it all up to a lawnmower engine. Rather than test it out on a track, though, he decided to let a rip on the open highway. The police were less than thrilled with his initiative and pulled him over before returning him to his parents'. As a budding scientist in 1968, Johnson attended a state science fair held at the University of Alabama at Tuscaloosa. He was the only black student present and hoped to follow in the footsteps of his idol, agricultural scientist George Washington Carver. Johnson entered a project that wowed the judges, a robot running on compressed air. His efforts won him first prize. He went on to earn a scholarship to Tuskegee University, where he graduated with a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, followed by a master's degree in nuclear engineering. To Johnson, the sky was the limit, literally. So fresh out of college, he joined the United States Air Force, where his intelligence and engineering skills were put to use in developing the stealth bomber. From there, even the sky seemed too low of a boundary for him. He needed to go higher, above the clouds, to the stars and beyond. NASA would become his home for the next few years. From 1979 to 1982, Johnson worked on the Cassini spacecraft, which traveled to Saturn, as well as the Galileo, which eventually reached Jupiter in 1995. He returned to the Air Force after his brief stint at NASA, but was called back five years later to assist with the Mars Observer project. Yet, even as he bounced from one career to another, he never gave up on his first love, working on his own inventions. You see, in 1982, Johnson had begun designing a better heat pump. Heat pumps absorbed heat from one location and transferred it to another. For example, a heat pump might absorb the heat inside a house and transfer it outside in order to cool the home down in warmer weather, much like an air conditioner. Johnson's version, however, was small and self-contained. It featured a reservoir on top that looked like a 2-liter soda bottle, which was filled with pressurized water instead of Freon. The bottle was fastened to a few feet of PVC pipe, and some pieces were handmade using his own tools. One night, Johnson was working on his prototype when it sprung a leak. The stream of water shot out several feet in front of him, and it gave him an idea. He walked into his bathroom and aimed it at his bathtub, where the pressurized water fired again. He calculated that, given enough space, it was possible that his heat pump could launch a jet of water about 40 feet long, Suddenly, he didn't have a heat pump anymore. He filed a patent for the device, which he finally received in 1986. His goal for success had shifted from rocket science to consumer purchase. He believed everyday people would love to own such a unique product, but he couldn't find anyone to help him manufacture or market it. And then, in 1989, Laramie Corporation signed on. They saw a perfect opportunity to revolutionize pool parties and summer vacations with Johnson's heat pump. They marketed it as the Power Drencher and put it up for sale in 1990. The product didn't become a hit until a year later, when it was rebranded as a weapon made for mischief and sold for $10 apiece. It made $200 million that year, no doubt due to its highly descriptive name, the Super Soaker.
2: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert.
1: Bad habits can be hard to break. Biting your nails, endlessly scrolling social media, and staying up late tend to have negative effects on one's health. But perhaps one of the worst habits a person can pick up is smoking. In the United States alone, smoking is responsible for upwards of 480,000 deaths every year. So it's no wonder that people try and kick such a nasty habit all the time. There are patches, gums, books, and all kinds of methods designed to curb one of the deadliest, and smelliest practices ever known. One man, however, came up with a way to quit smoking back in the 1920s. His only problem was that kids liked it too. Eduard Haas was born in Austria in 1897 and developed an early interest in food. It wasn't surprising. His father had built a successful baking powder company at the turn of the century. Thanks to his entrepreneurial family, the younger Haas found the taste for two things by the time he was 18—cake— and business. When he was old enough, his father allowed him to manage the baking powder company and handle marketing. Some of Haas's biggest achievements were his print ads for their pre-measured cake mix. But he didn't stop there. As he got older, he realized he needed to diversify. He didn't just want to make baking powder. He wanted to change the world. And one way was by helping people quit unhealthy habits, namely smoking and overeating Combining his business acumen with his culinary knowledge, he came up with a lozenge made of compressed sugar. Haas believed popping one of these in one's mouth instead of a cigarette could help people stop smoking entirely. And by flavoring it with peppermint, it could also freshen their breath. He sold the lozenges with the help of young women who he hired to give out free samples. Over time, the tablet's round shapes changed into something more akin to a brick, and they sold even better. Pretty soon, Haas' business strategy had to change, his factories that had been churning out baking powder were now forced to manufacture mints instead, and they never stopped. For 20 years, he sold his peppermint tablets in metal tins meant to be carried around in his customers' pockets. But they wanted something better, and more sanitary. Haas came up with a new kind of container after World War II. It allowed a person to extract a single mint at a time, or give one to a friend, without them contaminating the other tablets. These dispensers were called regulars, and they bore an uncanny resemblance to cigarette lighters. Haas's regulars proved popular. So popular, in fact, that he had to build another factory in Austria just to make them. The company's growth in Europe was trending ever upward, and it was time to take the product overseas. However, when he brought it to America, it just kind of fizzled out. Adult smokers didn't want to give up their cigarettes, and they certainly didn't want to carry around a fake lighter full of mints in their pockets either. Haas couldn't afford to lose the US market, though. So he changed tactics. He got rid of the peppermint flavoring and started making them with fruit flavors instead, like orange, lime, cherry, and lemon. As for the dispensers, he changed those too. Haas's candies now shot out of toy ray guns and popped out of robots and even Santa Claus. His idea was a hit, but an expensive hit. The ray gun used so much plastic and labor to put together it was too costly to keep producing. Eventually, he found a happy medium between toy and candy dispenser, and he debuted his new design during Halloween of 1957. On top was a witch's head. On the bottom, a plain plastic sleeve holding the candy tablets inside. One year later, he added popular comic strip character Popeye to the lineup. Since then, Eduard Haas's sugar tablets have made millions of dollars worldwide. The company currently boasts a roster of over 1,400 different character dispensers, From Spider-Man to Star Wars to Mickey Mouse and everyone in between, they're still a hit with kids of all ages to this day. So what did Haas call his wondrous anti-smoking mint-turned-candy? All he did was pull three letters from the German word for peppermint. A P, an E, and a Z. And he simply called it... Pez. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities.